podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the weekender and it feels like the start of something. It is Neil Atkinson. I've got Philippa Smallwood. I have got Siobhan Began and I've got Andy Heaton with me to talk about, well, we all know what's coming this weekend. It is the Community Shield, but we're also going to have a little look back to Leon. And in general, sort of feel as though the season is looming, it is starting. Uh, we've also got a feature on this charming man, Lizzie Doyle, spoke to Andy Jones and John Bruin uh, about that event. And Chris Torpy came in to speak to John Gibbons about the Future Yard Festival. That has also come along with the Community Shield, but we will start with the the feeling like it is the start of something. And Siobhan, things have sort of changed a little bit this week. It's not yeah. just that they played well against Leon, it's the fact that it suddenly feels like, yep, things are all it's about back. to begin. Yeah, I think that... There was a collective heads falling off over the last few weeks, wasn't there, about things maybe not looking great and lo and behold, a football team not being at its best when its best players weren't playing. I mean, it's madness, isn't it? But, um, yeah, it's just that sense of, OK, everyone's everyone's back now. We can all relax. We can all unclench. We can all just kind of enjoy the football and not enjoy the politics and the, the um, back and forth that we've been seeing a lot of lately. But, yeah, um, Leon helped, didn't it? So, all good. They look, good. Them, they look themselves, Philippa, um, in a way in which they just hadn't. And I don't think it was just as simple as Salah and Firmino or even Alisson, given how bad he was in the first <laughs> couple of minutes. It wasn't just that. It, I think it was there was a certain sort of attitude. They had, they had shape back, and those players helped with that shape. But it wasn't just that. To me, Liverpool just sort of went, right, we've had enough. Let's play like Liverpool. Yeah, um, I probably did myself a favour because I didn't watch two games before uh, this one. Um, but I just... I'd, I think part of that was because I knew the players that were missing and, you know, they were in really hard training. I'm assuming they still are, to be mm. honest. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. To me, you can't really judge a team until it's back in its flow. And I, I'll be honest, I don't think we'll see that until a few games into the season even. Mm. Um, but last night, I actually quite enjoyed the game because I thought there was some really positive things. Um, Salah, for me, coming back... You know, his first game back, he's only been back in training for two days. And to me, he was all over the place, you know, really dangerous. Um, And then you had the likes of Harvey Elliott, who came on in the second half. And he just makes you smile. You know, he's he's a player to me who you want to see play. Um, You know, very direct, very um, always looking forward not looking to play it simple and go, oh, well, I'll wait for somebody else to do something. You know, he wants to make things happen. And I think at 16 years of age, to have that kind of um, swagger about yourself when you're playing amongst players who, you know, have got quite a lot more experience than what you've got is I've just is won really the European Cup. <laughs> well, exactly, you know, and... Um, you, I, I, honestly, I was so impressed with him yesterday. Um I think it kind of shows that, you know, maybe you don't need to go out and spend the massive amounts of money that maybe some of us wanted the club to go and do. Um, you know, Harry Wilson got his goal as well. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, it was but, great. Yeah. It was a great finish, Siobhan. Yeah. Uh, absolute business. He was on the periphery of the game, but that's not necessarily a bad thing in no. that every football match, a couple of players end up on the periphery. But the finish is tremendous. They can pop up and they can do that every so often. And it it does create a bit of a question about Harry Wilson because you kind of feel sorry for him with whichever route happens now. If he if this is what they call the, the, the shop window for him and he moves on, then he kind of thinks, well, what more could I have done? But then if he stays and then doesn't get a game and ends up going in January or next summer, it's, you know, the reverse of that's true, isn't it? It's like, you know, what's everyone else doing that I'm not kind of thing. And, but some goal winner. It's some goal, Andy. It's 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 difficult, really. The manager was really careful with his language post-match uh, in the way in which I think he often isn't. I think I'm always intrigued by the Klopp response in press conferences in that there's when he's just Klopp in the moment 
And then there's when you feel as though he's just guarding his words a tiny little bit about about Wilson, and he's done it recently about Kent as well. It's really hard, isn't it, to look at Wilson as a player across all the preseason and work out where he plays on the pitch, but also who he should play for. And I think that that's, you know, I do ever so slightly worry about him that we might spend the whole of his career uh, one way or another wondering where he plays on the pitch and what sort of level he should end up at. The contrast was interesting between his words with Kent and Wilson because I thought he was actually quite blunt in regards to Ryan Kent when he was asked the specific question about will he send them out on loan again and he went nah, not at all, he needs to go. And given that him and Wilson are comparative same age, I would say it's exactly the same for, for Wilson. It's tough because you can't really... Look, it's just my personal opinion. I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I, I think this is the perfect time for Wilson to get his move. He's 22 years of age. He's not... And I like him as a player. Everyone thinks when you just like a player off, you don't yeah. like him. I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't like him as a player. I just don't see where he, where he fits no. yeah. at Liverpool. But at the same time, when he's just scored the goal, you don't want your manager coming out and going, oh yeah, no, we're trying to flog him as well. Because yeah. that doesn't do him any favours, it doesn't do us any favours, and you can't ruin the moment. Yeah. So I think there was a <clears throat> there was more to do with that than anything else. And, you did, and, and I know Neil said then he was on the periphery. I don't think you can afford to be in, on the periphery in this Liverpool side, any of them. I just think the, the, the makeup mm. of it, it's not like, you know, it, and I know there's always the the, the, the line about for to carry, wants to play it and all that, but... You go front to back through that Liverpool side, and and they, they all have an influence and a responsibility. We're, we're not a team that can go right, okay. So we're going to set up. We're going to play six, seven defensive players, and we're just going to leave it for the, the David Ginola kind of thing. He doesn't mm. do the track and back and anything. Yeah. Um, and also the other sides of it is as well. If you if you come out and say, "Oh no, we're we're trying to get rid of them or loan them," then you're setting the alarm bells off for teams who chase them. You know, it's. I think it's fairly straightforward. He scored the good goal. He's in the shop window. The, the goal wouldn't have done his value any harm whatsoever. No. Um, yeah, and just just see where it is. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't mind. If it, I suppose what I'm trying to say is, I think all things... I wouldn't mind if you're on ground whatsoever. Yeah. But I think the best thing for the lad's career is that he moves on. Best thing for the lad's career. My my thing, my own... I Instinctively, I agree with Andy Philippa, but I can't quite work out what team he should move on to. And I think that's what I think makes this really tricky in that I, I think he might be a footballer who needs to play in a very good side. Mm-hmm. And so therefore you end up saying, well, what's that very good side that's prepared to go and buy him so that he's not slogging his guts out for, for instance, Aston Villa this season where the aim is 45 points. Can I, can I just dive yeah, in? Course, Sorry, yeah, yeah. To, I absolutely disagree with that. I think the best side for him is someone like Aston Villa apart from the press officer and the CEO, but let's, <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's not get into that. I think... Do you think he needs to go somewhere and be the best player? Yes, yeah, exactly. So, but everyone else kind of would just go, right, get the ball, give it to Harry and let him do his thing. Yeah. Do you know what um, I mean? Because he, he, has, he has got that in him and you can build the platform for him to shine. So, instance, that, that strike that he had yesterday, if you've got a whole team working to create that space for you, then that's, you know, and, he, he, and his technique for that kind of thing is immaculate. Siobhan first then, Philippa, Siobhan. I think that might be the move that gets him the move then after that, really. Perhaps if I do think he's one of those, he's a, he's a flair player in that you know he, he he would do best if everyone thinks he's the fella to pass to. But I totally get the idea of him kind of going somewhere where he's around, like you said about um, Elliot before being around big winners, being around lads who are going to drag him up and make him higher. What's he got to aim for if he's the best lad on the field anyway? It's hard to tell really, isn't it? Because he was was he Darby's player. He was around. He wasn't yeah. quite Derby's player of the year, no, but he was. But he was. He was, he was anyway. Mason Mount. Of, yeah. Two or three of them did well. Yeah. But he had responsibility, though. Yeah, the, the, which is, what, which is yeah. the point I'm trying to make. And he had a, his his role was very clearly defined, wasn't it? In terms of what he added, and I think he could add the same to after 
Premier League, if not? I'm more inclined to agree with Neil in the sense that I think this pre-season he's not really had the opportunity apart from yesterday to play with our better players mm. um, and he hasn't stood out. He's not really set the world alight when everybody was expecting him to do that because that's probably what he did when he was at Derby. And I would have expected him to stand out in that sense. Um, and I just kind of wonder if he deserves six months or a year to just see if he can actually come in and do a job off the bench or, you know, in in games against... I mean, I know we're playing in first game of the season, but, you know, against your likes of Norwich or whatever, can he actually come in and give one of our first... 11 a, a bit of a rest and you know just produce that moment of magic I mean I think I would I would liken him a little bit to Shakiri in the sense that I think Shakiri's got moments of magic in his game but I think the difference with Shakiri and Harry Wilson I think this is what everybody's focusing on is that you see Shakiri popping up all the time getting on the ball constantly and he's very very busy and you know you see you just see him constantly uh, getting involved and I think People expect that from Harry Wilson as well. And I think if he was doing that, people would probably have him in higher regard. So you mentioned Harvey Elliott there. Um, and this is kind of, I think it kind of put it into a clearer context. There's, there's six years between them. Mm. You know, he's not, you know, and I keep banging on about this, this golden age, but he's 22, mm-hmm. at the, the same age as Kenton, which referred to the language earlier in the show. There's six years and I can't really... I'm not disagreeing with you, but what I'm saying, I find it hard to put them in the same category as, as, as young players. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I yeah. just don't, I, I don't know. I, I just find I just find it difficult. And I think, I, I always remember David Thompson, uh, when David Thompson left Liverpool. Um, and it was his own volition, because he said, I said to myself, if it didn't, if it wasn't a first team regular, but I think it must have been 23, 24, then I've got to go for the good mid-career. Unfortunately, he had some really horrible injuries and he never made it. But I thought that was a really brave decision. And I just... I just think if you stagnate for another two years, then you end up, you know, where, where does he go then? I think mm. he's had a really good season there at Derby County. Uh, I think his stock's relatively high. And I just think he can he can disappear a little bit in the same way that Woodburn, I know Woodburn's young, but, but the way Woodburn's kind of disappeared into the ether a little mm. bit and then now ends up on loan at Oxford United, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I know. Um, I, I, I just think if, if he wants a career at Premier League level and he wants to progress as a player, now's the time because I think once you hit 24, 25, your development's kind of gone and you're just playing with what you've got. And the worry is if that six, 12 months of him being around the first team players and making his name, you know, creating a bit of a space for himself, that doesn't work out. Where's his stock this time next year or where's his stock in January? Exactly. But then I think if you give him the six months to like January and you say, let's see what he can actually provide for this side and it doesn't quite work out and he's actually then edging to go, I think you'll have teams in the Premier League who are struggling who will go, actually, we need a player like that. So I don't think his stock will actually reduce this season. I mean, the only thing, and I feel like I'm dominating the discussion, I don't mean to, so I apologise. The only thing I'd say with that is that you're talking about a player with such technical ability that you'd expect him, if he started the season, he'd be on the set pieces, he'd be on the free kicks, he'd be taking responsibility for penalties, etc., etc. I think that's one of his pluses as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. People kind of like, you know, look down upon players who are, are good at set pieces, like yeah. it's an insult and it isn't. And But I just think if you go to a team in January, then all those kind of positions in the pecking order is already kind of laid out. You know what I mean? I, and you, you don't want to disturb the... Do you know what I, and the pressure I, on him in January would be more as well. If exactly. he's being brought in to change the season in five months, then, you know... The one, the one thing, just to go back to Philippa, 
And I take I I can completely see an argument where you go, you give them a go, yeah. um, and you give them the, the six months. We give them till January, and we go from there. My only thing that I think makes it difficult is if you've got to pick a bench. If you get picking a first team, you've got to pick a bench. You're picking in Mushkiri. So that's before we've had a conversation about Origi, a conversation about Brewster, a conversation about other players we might want to give opportunities to. And I think that's what I think that's what hurts him in the end. And I think it's actually part of it. You can actually use that as a almost as a microcosm of the general Liverpool should go and buy a forward, in which I do think they should do. Yeah. But if you go through go through the arguments Liverpool should buy a buy a forward and then you end up going, forget who plays. Who's on the bench? Mm. And I think with Wilson there, if you both straight away just said, said Shakiri, and I think yeah. that's the problem is that it isn't even the idea of against Norwich. He gets he's, he's on the bench and he's going to get half an hour. It's that if you're saying you're going to change the lineup a little bit for Norwich, well, you're probably going to pick Shakiri ahead of him, and then he might just make the bench then. But you're also if you are going to change the lineup and you're going to rest, say Mane or Salah, you're still going to have them on the bench in case you need them. And that's where I think it gets difficult, and it's almost a bit of a shame in that this is why injuries are a thing, and it's worth remembering that Shakiri's not always available. That's hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting actually because I was looking at the squad a couple of days ago and I was in most positions we've actually got three players so we've got a cover for every position and then we've got somebody behind them as well um, and that's if we keep the likes of Wilson I there is an argument that actually it's too much and that you can actually get quite confused as to what you want to do I'm actually quite open to whatever happens here yeah yeah um, I, think, I think everyone is yeah I'm, I'm not gonna cry if he leaves i'm not gonna like be you know disappointed if he stays i just feel like maybe the club are saying to him now actually the decision's in your hands it's up to you what you want to do just from what Klopp said yesterday um you know that we've got to do what's right for the club and what's right for the boy and that to me is saying it's up to him to decide what's right for him at this moment okay uh the season looms um and football Clubs are a lovely reminder that sometimes you can have all the info in the world, you know, when the season's meant to start. Uh, you can project manage as much as you like, and sometimes you just end up diving in and having to see where you are after a month. It's, I mean, it's almost a mission statement for the Anfield wrap that. Uh, Siobhan, everyone's still, no one seems entirely settled. City may be letting Sane go, we can talk yeah. more about that in a little while, but they want the Cancelo lad to come in. Um, when you step back, Spurs, Pochettino's up the wall. Chelsea haven't been able to buy anyone in a sense they look the most settled. United still haven't bought Harry Maguire, which is utterly confusing. Every, all clubs are just like in the wind in a strange way. Yeah. And, and, and and you can say that includes us. Our preparations, I don't think, have been perfect. No. But I think we think football clubs are like these unbelievable beings that can do astonishing things. Whereas in reality, sometimes everyone's just doing their best and they've all got a job to do. I think the thought that is kind of winding most people up at the moment is that we're standing still while everyone else is going and doing bits. And that may be the case in, in pockets, but it's not really. You don't get that sense of, oh my God, we're falling so far behind because City have got one player, just the one so far. Is it? They've got Rodri to play yeah. centre mid, but they bought Angelino back with his sold to PSV yeah. and they've got a buyback clause and he can play left back. Okay, when it gets that confusing, I lose interest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got United who are fairly on a repair mission as things stand, whether or not this Maguire... Situation rumbles on. Obviously, Pochettino said some fairly interesting things in the press a couple of days ago, didn't he? About yep. whether yep. he's in control or not. And that, I think it was Paul Senior who said someone around here said that only ends one way. And sad, really, isn't it? Um, Chelsea, they're probably sitting pretty thinking, we, at least we haven't got to worry about this. What will be, will be. Because <laughs> we can't do anything. Yeah, we can't do anything about it. So, you know, rely on the young lads and see what happens. But it's worth just remembering that we're not unique in this scenario. <laughs> Pochettino one's interesting for me and I really like him as a fella, I really like him as a manager. But I think he's done himself a little bit, to be honest. 
when he was making noises last year about going to Real Madrid and then signing a new contract when he, had, he basically had the whip hand there. Whereas I think because he kind of settled and ended up signing, I think Levy's got the, the whip hand on him there. Um, and also I think it's it's interesting language. I, I think it sends out the wrong message as well, to be honest, with the squad. And it used to, as much as I love Rafa, you know, we, we've spoken to Jamie, Jamie Carragher about it and you know, an awful lot of what the manager says, especially in pre-season, transmits to the rest of the team. And so, and what's, what's he saying to his squad there? Do you know about ambition? Mm-hmm. If they, if they really, if if they're intent on bridging that small gap in Spurs, are an excellent side, and they've just broken the transfer record as well. So, I think it's odd timing as well, considering that he did, last season they didn't sign anyone, and he was, and it, you know, he, he didn't have a moan then. They've just broke the transfer record on on what's put, supposedly a really good sign. I don't know enough about him. And you just, I just wonder whether something's happened in the background there, um, to, 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 to kind of pick him up a little bit and annoy him. But, but what happens now? He's picked mm-hmm. the fight now. Do you know what I mean? You can't really, you can't as much as you can try and back down and be conciliatory or whatever. He's picked a fight pretty much with the owner there or his bosses or whatever. So what, what's his next move? I don't think that it, it's very difficult. And I think the problem that he's got as well is I think because he's built kind of Spurs up to be as good as they are at the moment and, I, you know, probably the best that I can remember in my lifetime, they could literally handpick a manager to come in. Um, and because they don't kind of like sat the managers willy-nilly and everything, I think a lot of managers would be quite happy to go there. So by picking this fight, I, I'm not sure what his aim is. Whether or not he's looking at the Real Madrid situation, the fact that they've got fans calling for Zidane to lose his job over losing pre-season friendlies, or whether or not he's looking at the Man United situation and going, can he see them doing particularly well? And he's kind of like manoeuvring in a way to give him an option if something does happen. I'm not too sure. But I just, I don't get it. I really don't get it. To the sense he just got pissed off. I've got a thing on this that I think if you're Pochettino and the fellow from the Evening Standard sticks his hand up again and asks the question he's asked in the five previous press conferences and you actually mm. can't answer the question. And I, yeah. I genuinely, like, I think there's a lot that... I think we put a lot of onus on our football managers. I think it's happened at Liverpool in the past in a number of different ways. But I think we put a lot of onus on our football managers at times to front up things that are actually if not nothing to do with them, but a lot of it may not be to do with them. And they've got to ask the answer. And there's some sort of point where you're like, listen, mate, I I don't know. And it almost feels like that to me, Andy, like he's almost just gone. I think sometimes we think a lot of stuff's quite calculated and it may just be that he's just had a terrible phone call. He was trying to sort something out earlier today. The pre-season friendly didn't go well. He's got to do another press conference. These people won't stop asking him the questions and suddenly he goes, ah, this. The cat's gone missing. The dog's ruined the carpet or whatever something as simple as that <laughs> yeah it did occur to me the other day actually I was thinking about it well, and it struck me when you guys were when you you guys you guys were in uh, the States and uh, there was also that photo came out there was John Henry Linda Pizzuti uh, Tom Werner Jürgen Klopp and Michael Edwards yeah and Michael Edwards so in the hierarchy you're kind of much putting Klopp alongside Michael Edwards yeah. right but when do you see I'm not saying we should hear from Michael Edwards I'm saying quite the opposite I think we hear from football managers a little bit too much, yeah. if I'm being quite honest. Yeah. As much as the you know feeds the media narrative on one thing and the other, and it's a good point. Maybe it's just like I I can't I literally can't answer that question, mate. You asked me about it, and I don't know the answer. You asked me about it last week as yeah. well, by the way. And you asked me about and it the week the before, yeah. and I've said to you repeatedly, I can't answer it. But then at the same time, you think someone as cerebral as Pochettino would be a little bit more savvy 
and not feed and, and not not feed into it. It was the, the me, comment about coach, wasn't it, that got me? It's like it's it, was, all right. it was it was word for word what Rafa said, pretty much. Yeah. Before Newcastle, do you remember? What, where yeah, we, yeah. Do you remember we watched that game? I remember we watched that game, final love. Yeah, we did. Yeah, you you and I together. Uh, I Sorry, remember that. go on, Philip. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I think to basically lose your cool a little bit in a in a press conference or in an interview after a football game is perfectly fine. You know, we've seen every manager do it. I think it was the fact that he he made the comments about they need to change my title to coach, mm. basically saying I've literally got no input on transfers so, or the players that I'm getting in. So I'm this just- is this is my thing here, Philip. And I'll come back to you on it straight away. Is I get the the way he phrased that it it seemed to me as though he's almost certainly had a phone call earlier that day about something. Do you know what I mean? Like mm, to me, it almost yeah, feels like, like there's something that's in the that back of his mind, and that something's in the back of his mind. It's been in the back of his mind for a few days, and then he's had a phone call that morning or the day before, and he's livid because that's the language. That's the language of I am absolutely sick of these. It's yeah. that same way if like someone's telling you what to do or anything like that, and you just lose. Someone else can just ask you a perfectly innocuous question. You go, Oh, I'm just a, I'm just the health brandy. You know, right? you know, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Because someone else has got on your nerves. Then an innocent question, if if this is the case, he's just lost his cool. Have you been, and... have you been spying on our office? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all work in the same office, really, don't we? In that sense, um, but yeah, he's, he's 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 obviously just lost it, hasn't he? Whether there's anything behind it or not, but it just doesn't doesn't sound good. If I was a Spurs fan, I wouldn't be listening to that. Going great, another season of success. Why are you? Yeah, <laughs> your hands it, together. I think it's also because of what he said about you know if they'd have won the Champions League, he'd have gone. And to me, I'm kind of like going. He keeps making noises about leaving, and you know. Did he say that? Yeah, yeah. I missed this before the final. He was a bit like, if 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 we won this, what else would there be be to do? Okay. But he's actually turned around now and said that he would have gone. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, you you listen to that sort of thing, and you're like, well, does he actually really want to be at Tottenham? Does he indeed? I don't know. He was so. I don't think you can really fake that emotion that he that you saw last year. But maybe he's had a bit of a rude awakening since. The first yeah. of June, so who knows? Okay, uh, all to come, but it is interesting that you can know all of this and still have to be making up as you go along in early August. Uh, coming <laughs> up, Lindsay Doyle speaking to Andy Jones and John Bruin about this charming man, and uh, John Gibbons speaking to Chris Torpy about Future Yard. We'll be back in a minute or two having a chat about the Community Shield. And it's John Gibbons now on Weekender, and I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Torpy from Bido Lito, who's come back, so you must have enjoyed it <laughs> the first time. <laughs> I love um, it, thank you. Yeah. You were a good, good luck charm as well, because Tramier won at uh, Wembley. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. So, the, uh, so I mean, there was pyro being set off in the Bido Lido offices, was there? Um, no comment. <laughs> yeah, it was a great. Uh, it was a great end of the season, uh, yeah. third season in a row at Wembley. I'm kind of sick of the place, but uh, obviously, you know, he, uh, you'll take it, of course. I mean, how do you think you'll do in League One? We'll start on Champions. Oh, and... well, kind of a little bit cautious, to be honest with you. Just, just, just in terms of recruitment. Of what You've lost done. the top scorer, haven't you? Lost the top scorer, and it's a shame because in this day and age, you don't get fees for him, so they just leave on when the contract comes out. Of it. So um, he would have commanded a, a pretty decent fee, but. You know, fair play to him. He's he's twenty nine, twenty eight. Last big contract. He'll only first time he learn a big contract. So no real grudge against him. It's just where the goals, where the creativity is going to come from in a higher league. It's a slight worry, especially we've picked up three bad injuries in pre season. So to attacking players. So uh, I don't know. I'm feeling all of a sudden pessimistic again. But <laughs> it won't take long until the optimism, the, the mindless optimism of yeah. being a football fan creeps back in. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll it, was, see. It, was, we'll it was it was it was it was funny playing in. Um, Obviously, we, we play every every summer now. It seems yeah, to yeah. be a bit chambered, and we we had some sort of media passes. And I was, so I was walking around the uh, the um, 
you could try to call it the backstage of music yeah, but you know what I mean yeah, yeah. there's all the corridors and stuff like yeah. that and uh, Craig Pennington from Bido like I'm sure he's in the boardroom now and all sorts <laughs> of stuff like that he's greeted by the chairman and everything is he is he a big deal in Tramway Circles <laughs> well there aren't many uh, there aren't many younger people who are, uh, <laughs> who are interested in doing something around music you see so uh, it kind of it kind of sticks in people's memories but yeah, yeah. the club are really open to doing lots of things around music they've been one of the best things that's happened to us as a club is we got relegated out of the league and it forced us to kind of have an overhaul of everything and rethink so the club is in a much better position even just like cosmetically it looks a little bit more attractive around the ground so you know you do hope that when you get a full house like when you, you play the pre-season game against yeah. Liverpool that some of the fans who might kind of live locally in the Birkenhead or the rural area might kind of think this isn't that bad a place to come so that's what you hope for Yeah, you know we, you know, time will tell and if, if, if we carry on being successful then maybe they will come over but you know, I think it's more lending of support than you know, than converting people well we shall see uh, but anyway we're here to talk about Future Yard which is a, a festival that you're running in Birkenhead so it is it is a topical yeah. link um, so it's in the shadows of Brenton Park if you like <laughs> but it's it's a festival which you know it's a celebration of of the area I know I know a lot of the, the artists that you, that you use in, are from the Whittle as yeah. well but it's, it's trying to use different spaces in Birkenhead that maybe wouldn't normally kind of have live music is that fair yeah yeah definitely i mean um i mean birkenhead as a, as a place and, and Wirral in general as a place um has, has got a massive musical heritage and it's punched us above its weight doesn't it yeah, i definitely. would say worldwide definitely and there's you know you can look back to kind of um you know omd and uh, half man half biscuit and like boo radley's and the coral and you know Elvis costello lived there for a good period of time when he was kind of his formative career there's a lot of people who've kind of like come from there musically uh, certainly a lot of contemporary musicians who are kind of like classed as part of like, the Liverpool music scene. But in terms of like infrastructure around music over there, there's there's nothing. Like people do go over to Liverpool, which is fine. And I do that. You know, I'm from I'm from Wallasey. All the gigs I used to go to when I was a kid were over in Liverpool. I now work predominantly in Liverpool with what we do with Bido Lito. I haven't got a problem with that and we're not looking to change that. But it'd be nice if there was like a music venue over there or some more rehearsal rooms or just a little bit more help for musicians as they, you know, their kids, 15, 16, 17, coming through. You know, they've got opportunities to go and play or go and see music or kind of learn a little bit about the craft. So um, the, the kind of wider idea behind Future Art is to kind of like amp all that up over there in the world, not kind of take away from what there is, which exists, which is brilliant in like the city centre, but kind of like add to it. Um, so yeah, that's the, the whole idea behind it. And throwing a, a festival to kind of like celebrate all that is as good a way to get that going as we can think of. So hopefully 23rd, 24th of August, Bank Holiday Weekend, will kind of like light the touch paper a little bit for some for some uh, punters, some gig goers, but also some musicians who think, yeah, yeah, you know, there's a future for me doing this. Yeah, because you can put on a gig anywhere, really, can't course, you? You yeah. know, I mean, you, it doesn't. We, we don't always have to be limited to, um, to to existing spaces and and to spaces where you know there's some great music venues, obviously in the northwest. But yeah. you know, you could, some of the best gigs I've ever been to have been, you know, in places where you wouldn't necessarily expect. Exactly. Yeah, um, that, that's 100 percent true. And I think the in a wider point, the the more that we expand music outside of just existing Liverpool City Centre is the better for everyone, I think. Um, but yeah, some of those great spaces, I mean, like our history are kind of like when, when we first started before Beatle Lisa was bust a twinkle. 
Um, we put on a gig in the uh, Fort Perch Rock, which is in the Napoleonic Force in New Brighton. If anyone's gone over to the beach there, it's that weird thing that sticks out into uh, Liverpool Bay. We put on a few gigs in there and then we put our gig on, on the Mersey Ferry. Like you can literally do anything you want in terms of like uh, a, a venue for going and listening to music. Uh, but it's kind of like what you put as the context around that. Like why is, you know, going to see a band uh, cruising up and down the Mersey Ferry exciting because you know, there's a history with like, uh, you know, the, the old Ferry Cross the Mersey and Jerry Marsden, but, you know, you know that kind of, like, to and fro of music uh, coming into the city and it being a real kind of driver of a great cultural export. I think that's really interesting. So uh, similar kind of thing is what we've applied to Future Yard this year. We're looking at using some different venues uh, just to kind of, like, show off what um, what there is over there. Like, we're using Birkenhead Town Hall, which is the assembly rooms in there, is an amazing old like kind of like turn of the toilet kind of like the early 20th century like um like civic reception room this huge stage and it's going to look incredible in there and that's on hamilton square which has got this like these amazing listed buildings around it's a beautiful space a couple of minutes walk from hamilton square station which is a five minute train journey from central so, yeah, it's so uh, in easy, terms yeah. of in terms of like if you're looking at going to like the invisible wind factory or the olympia or outer lymph it's just as easy to go over to Birkenhead if there was a music venue over there. We, you know, there isn't necessarily an all-purpose music venue, but we're putting some music on in some spaces that are like five or six minutes from the centre of Liverpool City Centre. So, Yeah, so as you say, it's the 23rd and 24th of August. Um, tickets are available now. It's £40 if you want to go for the weekend, or there are day tickets available as well, priced at 20 and 25 uh, Some of the spaces that, that are being used uh, include Birkenhead Town Hall, uh, Birkenhead Priory, which is apparently 850 years old. Yeah. Uh, there we are. Um, the Bloom Building as well. And in terms of lineup, you've got Bill Ryder-Jones headlining on the Friday, who's obviously a local boy. Exactly. Uh, Whittle Hero, uh, Anna Calvi uh, headlining on the Saturday as well. And then loads of great emerging artists across the two two days as well, including Queensy, who are absolutely amazing live. Uh, I've seen them a few times. Uh, Bill Nixon, who's a, a great emerging uh, voice. Um, I saw in the Jinx, who can't, you can't move up for, for <laughs> at the moment. Uh, every time you put six music on, they're on Trudy and the Romance. Similar, SPQR, who are doing great things kind of nationwide now as well. So it's a cool lineup. You must be pleased. Really pleased, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, it, it's amazing that there's so many artists you mentioned there that are kind of uh, local basins and I've come through where they've got links to where like Queen Z Z herself is from Birkenhead uh, the drummer in I saw and Jinx is from Birkenhead uh, SPQR from the Wirral Bill Nixon's from Wirral it's amazing really Organ Freeman there's loads of them Wild Fruits there's there's so many bands over there that are doing things that are part of the Liverpool music scene which is absolutely fine and it's great but you know they, they've grown up over there and for them to get the chance to play in Birkenhead to hopefully maybe a local audience of more uh, we're all people who kind of like give it a try but obviously the people from the Liverpool like gig going community as well that'd be amazing and like it's, the chance to see Bill Ryder Jones playing a gig in Birkenhead is like hopefully kind of a, a big pull it's one for me I'm really you know excited to see I've followed Bill's career for a, a long while and um, and he's from he's from West Kirby and I know a lot he kind of he's not moved away from there he's yeah. resisted the temptation to go and live elsewhere because that's his home and he likes it um, and I think there's this kind of like wider idea that, you know, the Wirral is this slightly weird outsider place, which is uh, far enough away from Liverpool, the big city, to, for people to kind of experiment and do odd alternative things, but close enough for them to still be 
plugged into the networks, the venues, the labels, the community, people who help them. So it's kind of uh, the wider thing is to celebrate a little bit that that kind of like that outsider heritage. But um, yeah, Birkenhead Priory, the oldest building standing in Merseyside. Wow. And that's where the first, the monks who, who, who opened it ran the first ferry that ran across the river. So there's a lot of kind of like heritage to pull on there and we will be doing that like was part of like the wider program as well. Sounds great. So as I say, weekend tickets are just £40 or you can go for the day on the Friday and the Saturday if you prefer. Um, all other information is at futureyard.org. Uh, there's a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well if that's what you prefer. But And there's a trailer if you want to get involved. But it's just kind of, I guess, encouraging people to... to to support these artists as much as anything, isn't there? Because there's so much kind of going on in the area at the moment in Merseyside, and and the fact is that you know there's that that needs to be celebrated just as much as these spaces do. Oh, of course, absolutely. It's it, it's it's kind of like the the same old same old. Let's go out and and support these people because they're doing some amazing things. Um, and obviously, you hope they go and have success outside of the city. But if you can't crack the local area first, then kind of like what's the point of them being able to go and export it elsewhere? Um, I think people do are a lot more aware now that there's a wide variety of different types of music that you can you can go and listen to just mm. on a, like a Friday Saturday night in Liverpool, which is amazing. Like the, there's a range of genres in there. There's no set sound, which maybe the kind of like the once was in sure. a few years ago. Perhaps maybe the last time that was was when the Coral and the Zootons came through yeah. the whole Delta Sonic era through the Zanzibar, but now it's kind of completely different, um, a little bit wider. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the, there's loads more elsewhere on the lineup. Like, there's a, there's a lot of bands who are like not from around here, who are, who are emerging on the way through, and I'm getting really good kind of press and 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 great notices at the moment. A band called Squid, who I saw supporting uh, a band called Viagra Boys in uh, in Liverpool a while back, are incredible. It's kind of like a bit. Somebody mentioned it as like uh, the B52s meets LCD sound system, which is like pretty spot on it's lively lively yeah but very 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 talking heads as well Um, there's loads of good stuff working men's club dry cleaning pottery there's like loads of like funny name bands intergalactic republic of congo with this audio books these are brilliant brilliant people acts who are doing really interesting thing kind of crossover of what you know rock music is now with like a bit of post-punk but mixing in electronic stuff as well um there's some really, really good stuff up and down the lineup, but um, it's just great to be able to see people like Bill and Queen Z and uh, and Bill Nixon play play Birkenhead. It's just it's just something about it. Just feels really, really interesting. And I've always loved Anna Calvi as an artist. I think she's absolutely incredible. One of the best live artists in the country at the moment. Such a great guitar player. So yeah, there's there's loads on. We're doing a um, we're doing a a, a a tour of Vikings World Viking Past on uh, on bike stream and bike tour of that we're doing a, yeah, a walking tour of Birkenhead and picking out these weird uh, alternative uh, parts of its history and we're doing a real big hook up with uh, Focus Wales which is based in Wrexham oh, yeah. which kind of like pulls on the other thing that we're all Scottish obviously it's, it's it, the other side on the other side of the day is it's really got real close cultural links to North Wales so um, we're kind of doing a real big hook up with them because there was a really interesting thing that we found out when we were kind of like working on it all that there was a uh, the, the the Welsh nationalised Devfod, the celebration of, of of art and poetry and music, um, which happens every year, has taken place in Birkenhead three or four times over its hundred odd year history. And there was a really famous one in nineteen seventeen in Birkenhead Park, where the 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 poet who won, they have a the the, the bard who wins with a with a with their poem each year is uh, is given a chair that is carved for them. And the guy who won it that year, um, whose name was Hedwin. 
uh, had actually died on the battlefield in, in First World War at Passchendaele, so he couldn't actually claim the chair. So it was called the uh, the um, the Ice Deadfold of the Black Chair, and it was an Oscar-nominated film made about it. So we're going to be screening the film, and then there's going to be a reading of the poem, just to kind of like pull on that side of it as well, because you know you know Wirral is betwixt Wales and Liverpool, and it's got you know it can pull on all those different types of of, of weird outsider culture from both sides. I think. Good stuff. Um, futureart.org, if you want some more information, tickets are available now. As I said, they're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as well. But Chris, thanks for coming in. No, thank and, you. Uh, best of luck. Nice one. And I'm joined in the studio by Andy Jones and John Bruin. Thank you very much right. for coming in. Um, so you're in because you're coming to speak about um, the this Charming Man exhibition, which is taking place on Friday, the 16th of August. And if you don't know already, uh, this Charming Man, the exhibition is in memory of Jack Mack. Um, young lad who, who lost his life who a lot of people knew um, from the match he, he was great he was he was a good laugh and um, he used to love his trainees and yeah sadly he lost his life last year and you're doing this exhibition in memory of him but before we go on to why you're doing the exhibition I just wanted you to tell everyone what Jack was like as a lad Oh, he was a great, he was a great oh, man like he was, was, yeah he was brilliant for, for, for a young lad like he was he was a lot younger than me and he was just hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Like everything that he'd come up with at the match was just brilliant. Nah, he was he was everyone's mate. Like he was like he was large as life. He he was a happy lad. Always always, always look forward to seeing him. And, yeah, yeah. And always he loved the Reds and that. So yeah. he was only young as well, weren't he? And he, he was one of those people who who'd always cheer up when you went to the match. I remember I only done um, the coach that he was on a couple of times, Cambrajo, the famous yeah. Cambrajo. And he always used to just like he was like dead cheeky. Uh, yeah. He always up for laughing. He used to always co- I don't want to say cause murder, but he, he'd have a he'd have a good joke with yeah. you. Uh, it was it was a big shock to everyone, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. To all his mates in the yeah, no, yeah, no, no. To find out last year, and I'm guessing because he was so large, like so full of life, um, like you said, you wanted to do something basically to commemorate him. And you've come up with this exhibition, which is this charming man, and it's a trainee exhibition. So. Why did you choose to do a trainee exhibition for him? Well, as anyone who knows him knows, he's he was just a boy. Um, he's basically he's a trainer boy, like ridiculous, isn't it? His collection. We were like, we were, we were lucky enough to go yeah. down last week and sit with his family and but go and like look through his trainee collection. We haven't even scraped the service, like have we? Really? Like, basically, his mum said to us, "There's three full rooms full of trainees, and yeah. so we You're got messing. we got through about we got through one of them, didn't we? Yeah, one like, of them." Less about quantity, but the stuff he had. If you're into your trainees, you'd just be blown away by what he had. It's, some of it's, it's unbelievable. Like Every original Adidas trainer that you can possibly think of, especially like the City series, he's got them. He's, it's like it was just like a, a treasure room. But but we knew about his trainers, and that was like one of the main that things was, because it, like yeah. it's basically his mum sitting on like these these gems, and it just. He needed to be shown so people yeah. can Did appreciate I, what he had because he wasn't even he didn't even promote it. Did he? No, really no, definitely not. We knew what he had. But not even to the extent that we that no, he had. He just wasn't that type of guy. So he wasn't that type of person who just like flaunts it like people do on Instagram now. So at least now people get to see like what he's actually it's got. Like, I knew he had the knowledge of it when I like when I first met him. I worked in Sars on Bald Street and like where the like limited releases come out. I'd get there at, like eight o'clock in the morning. He'd been queuing there for. Well, that, that's where <laughs> I. That's, that's where I first met like, him. Do you know what I mean? I first to... met him queuing up outside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I love about that? It's like a proper scouse thing. Like I think for people who who might live outside the city, you were listening to this. You you might come into Anfield every so often or even if you do come often and you're not from here um, it's a massive thing in the city isn't it being into the trainees oh, being into yeah, the football no, fashion yeah, and, and the casuals yeah, and yeah. huge the 
there, there's been a couple of exhibitions on already in town, hasn't there? Yeah. Like Cheney ones. Uh, yeah. Did he used to go to them when they were on? Yeah, well, he's, he, um, he was he was part of well special do this do a, did an exhibition in Manchester in 2014. He was invited to the the opening party. I'm, I'm uh-huh. sure I'm sure he gives some trainers for the exhibition as well. Yeah. Because his knowledge was was unreal. Then it was one of the first, um, I'd say, you know, Laces Out. It was one of the first Laces That's Out it, events, Laces and it was out. at Camp and Furnace. Yeah, yeah. And it was him and Chris, Chris Hudson, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, who, yeah, uh, yeah. They did, like, their own little mini exhibition of, I would say, mini exhibition, Jack's three yeah, collection. Just, was yeah. just, and one thing Chris said, he brought a few pairs, and then Jack just turned <laughs> just, up with, like, three boxes for him to talk about. He's like, whoa, hang on a minute. Does he, um, what was I going to say with this? Does, did he ever used to, like, wear them all, or was he, like, a collector yeah, of them? Yeah, no, he, he would wear them, because at the match, it, was that, it wasn't his trainers, it was coats as well, so, like, to see Jack, it was, like, it's quite exciting to see what because I never used to go on the camera. I ended I was going yeah. from the Elwood bus, so like meeting him at the grounds, and you're just excited to see what he had on because it was just unbelie- like unbelievable stuff, like, like just crazy, like a crazy coat and and pr- crazy trainers to match. It was just unbelievable. But it got to a point with with the trainees, like obviously everyone was into it. Like you weren't even surprised that he had like if. if no. And the 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 exhibition obviously is is his Chinese, which I think makes it more poignant. And yeah. you'll get to see how many he adds, obviously all the different styles, all the different types. But I I mean I don't know about you, but for for all the listeners who are listening to this, this is just this could have been any one of us, couldn't it? This was yeah, just exactly. a lad yeah, yeah. that loved Liverpool yeah, and loved the match. He was like anyone. Yeah. He was like anyone. Young, loved his loved his clothes, loved his, loved his training, loved his music. Like so, it's kind of like yeah, all that together, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Really, it, it it makes it easy for us because like that that's what he was into basically, and and we could just put all in one room, hopefully, and exactly. everyone have a good night. Just 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 have a good night in memory of him. Really, he'd have buzzed off this like that. People were coming just to yeah, see he stuff would have definitely, yeah, definitely. And he used to go home and away, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, how old was he when he passed away? 23. 23, 23. Was, yeah, yeah. So he's very young, and like I say, yeah. for for anyone listening, this could literally be anyone. This could be the lad that you sit next to on the coach. This could be the lad that you sit next to, I don't know, on the plane that you're coming over. This could be the lad that you walk to the ground with. This is someone who, who used to love the Reds inside and out. And it, it's great that he's got something to remember him by. But this isn't going to be the first thing to to remember Jack, is it? Um, and what is so great about this event is that there's the entrance fee of £5 is going to go towards a charity sort of set. Well, it, it's set up in his name, isn't it? Jack's it is, Pax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just just tell everyone what Jack's Pax is. Well, it was, it was born out of his, his, his mum. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. She, she basically, because Jack used to do a lot of work, and used to help a lot of homeless all the time. Yeah. And uh, even of a night, he used to sit with them. Apparently, we, I didn't know to the extent oh, how much he used to do. his mum last week and she told us a story yeah. about He used to pick him up from the, from the game and they go into town and he'd go and get some food. Yeah, and he'd be gone like an hour and she'd ring him going, oh, I'm just sitting with such and such. Yeah, I'm just bought yeah. him his tea. Yeah. yeah. So it's like he was what he was, he loved, he loved helping. Like, the so they've set up, like they've just started basically raising money and then I think the last thing that they did, they did a charity event in, in behalf of Jack and they, I think they raised was 2000 or something. something like and they yeah, spent yeah. it on uh, sleeping bags to give to Whitechapel. Amazing. So just stuff, just stuff like that. Basically, just give them yeah. back. I think they've got like a little thing with Greg's as well. Yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure what they do, but then they, they, they drop off any food. I think it's once a month. Yeah, where they can go and collect all the leftover foods and drop it off. So, so just, who actually makes the Jack's packs? Is that like so? Is that what his family used to do? Like his family used to just basically donate money, food. I think clothes. it was mainly Jack, wasn't it? Was it? Mainly, it was yeah, mainly yeah. Jack. Like yeah. yeah, it was mainly Jack. Like I think it all came from. I think she told us a story the other day. Yeah, when really he wants some money. Well, he was. I think he was about. Eight, about nineteen, and the one, people who know Jack, they, 
he basically just said, I don't need this money, it's not fair that I've got this. So he went to a place, uh, was it the hub in Skermersdale? Yeah, yeah. And um, he gave £400 of it straight away to the to the hub and they would do a shock. They, 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 yeah. they, they said, oh, we can't we can't take this, we can't take this. But mm. it was, a couple, of day, was it a couple of days Two, day, two, two days, days before Christmas and then... He got a phone call, didn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, they told him what Basically, they, something had happened with uh, a, a family in, in Skermer. They basically had the yeah. house burgled or something like that and all the kids' toys had been robbed. So basically, they were ringing him to say... We've gone out and spent that money on presents for the kids. You've made this family's Christmas and all yeah. that. So it was possibly away and all that. Yeah, was it? yeah, it was amazing. He was just, I, I say, we didn't notice. We, we, we would say I love Jack a bit. He was so friendly and yeah. he was so nice and caring. But when you hear these stories, you didn't know to the extent of how, how, how nice that, he was. Like. That says it all, really. He's not one of these people who go who went and arms saying, I No, you, like, you he wouldn't. He's just a lovely lad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He did it around the goodness of his own yeah. heart. Like, so. And that's, why, that's where the name comes from. This charming man is yeah, exactly, yeah. really humble yeah. and. Um, just on to the exhibition then um, it's not just the exhibition of Chinese is it um, there's a couple of stuff going on down there as well isn't there like live music yeah DJs? we've got a bit of live music yeah. on and that like so we've, yeah. got, we've got we've got a few people confirmed yeah we've so. got uh, Kieran Molyneux which is one of his mates as well also um, known from Boss Night, Boss Night. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we've got a female singer now called Eva um, we just got it was it two days ago, days ago made it, up yeah. because um, we've also got a DJ yeah, Dave Maguire, he plays all like exit, exit nights in town so and that. Like, she's going to do all dance classics for us, going to vocal dance classics, oh, which should be good, good like. for the end of the night. And we've got a band called The Sway, which meant to be a good up and coming band. So it's good. So yeah. We've got a good little. Hoping to of, get a couple more as well. Yeah, we might have, can, yeah. Like, so yeah, near the time. Yeah, and um, on the night we'll be selling a few, like a bit of merchandise, but it all or again any money that we raise on the night will be going to Jack's Packs and the and yeah. which is on behalf of like the White Chapel. Yeah, so the White Chapel. So for anyone listening, uh, Jack's Packs, um, uh, the money's going to go towards that, which will collect food, toiletries, clothes, which will then be donated to the White Chapel Centre. And if you've heard before on this podcast, the White Chapel Centre are an incredible charity uh, right here in Liverpool, in the heart of Liverpool, um, looking after homeless people. And it's open eight to eight. It's a space for everyone to go to and they do unbelievable work looking after so many people in this city and um, giving them shelter when they when they don't have shelter they're a fantastic charity so i, I want to just say uh, thank you to you both for coming in and talking oh, about um jack like i say if you if you are listening to this we always get um questions at the anfield drafters so, oh what can i do when i come over to liverpool this that and the other Get yourself down to this. It's in phase one on Seal Street, isn't That's it? Right, which yeah, is yeah. um the Jacaranda, which is like one of the most famous clubs in Liverpool. It's they've opened a sort of second site. They're gonna have DJs, live music, the money you know is gonna go to a good cause and the good cause itself is that was in memory of just the lad who loved going the match and had a good heart and done good things for good people. And you'll have a laugh when you get down there. Um and there's a Facebook event, isn't there? there you is, can, yeah, there's yeah, a link there. Is, yeah. there. Get your tickets. It's only five pounds. Uh, Friday the sixteenth of August. This charming man. Um, back to the studio. Welcome back. Thank you to everyone for that. Uh, back with the weekender. Uh, Neil Atkinson with Philippa Smallwood, uh, Siobhan Began, and Andy Heaton. Um, let's dig into the Community Shield. It's. I do sort of think that now that both managers would like to be in the Community Shield, I don't think they necessarily like to be facing each other, Philippa. Um, I think that it, it can feel like a game that's far too meaningful but the flip side is I think that a number of us are looking forward to a day out at Wembley and watching what could be an interesting football match with two sides going at it with what for one another really I don't see it being all that cagey although you can always be proven wrong in these matters I'm looking forward to it um I think just seeing 
kind of where we are. I know, um, you know, it's going to be against City, so it's probably going to be a different game to what we're probably going to have against Norwich. Well, it will be. Um, but I don't... I, I quite like the idea of seeing where we are in relation to, to City at the moment, um, especially with the, the news about Sane potentially going as well. I think... I actually believe that he's possibly their most talented player, um, but he's just not as consistent as, as some of the other players that they've got. Um, but I mean, on on Liverpool's side, I'm not too sure what, I, what way I want us to go. I think I'd quite like us to give our first 11 um, a good run out, see where they're up to fitness-wise and see if they can get some sort of cohesion before next weekend. Um, but then I also would quite like to see a few of the, the youngsters given a bit of a go as well. Um, I mean, I mentioned Harvey Elliott before. Um, but, the you know, the the difficult thing is you can only have seven substitutes, can't you? So yeah. you can only bring six of them on. I mean, obviously, you'd hope that the goalkeeper would be the one that doesn't come on. But it, I think it's actually a really difficult task picking 18 players to, to actually be in that squad. I think he's... I'll go Andy first. Andy, I think when he's trying to work his team out on this one, it is worth remembering he, pr- he probably will want to make six substitutes. So you've almost got to pick an 11 where you're working out, say the goalkeeper's one of them, four outfield players who you're going to want to do 90 minutes. You've almost got, he's almost got to pick a side with these are the four lads who are going to do 90 and this is where I'm going to mess about. Yeah, um, I think as well, you've got to remember it's a big old pitch, Wembley. Yeah. Um, you know, and especially if, if players aren't at peak fitness, so to speak, um, I think is when you got to be careful. And it all depends on the pace of the game as well. Uh, I mean, if, if it, I would like to think he might play safe a little bit. I mean, I know it harms it as a spectacle, but to see how the game goes, play a little bit safe, especially with your key man. I'd, I'd certainly start to Allison because you know I think he needs some catching practice after the other day. <laughs> It was but, um, dead funny that, by the way. I was going to ask you about it. It's like his entire body shape's wrong all the way through. Like he's he's never seen a footy before. I didn't know he was scared of football. It's interesting, isn't it? It was like it's an interesting fear. Like, it was almost as if he'd, he'd forgot the game had kicked off. Or, <laughs> you know, you know when you're kicking it around. Very you know Barca you, corners, Trent's corner. Yeah. You know, oh, it's kicked off again. It was like weird things like you kicking around before kickoff and seven aside. Which which is mad. It's a, it's a funny thing as well when you're in, when you're in like not, not that I played at any particular high level, but. I always find it funny that when you're in goal, you, you just program to face anything you've got. But if I'm playing outfield and someone absolutely blams it from about two yards, I tear me back. <laughs> it's, like this, it's like this weird instinct thing. Not an instinct you'd expect him to have. <laughs> but I don't know what he was doing. But I mean, we got we talk about the, uh, frenetic. I mean, one of my favourite ever. I was going to say Wembley, but it was in Cardiff. One of my the Community Shield in 2006 was one of my favourite games. It was a belter, Loved, yeah. Liverpool, Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Momo Sogo kicking absolute fucking bells out of Michael Ballack. Who doesn't want to know? But that's at the time. So what you don't want to do conversely is have a game that, that gets... And given the rivalry between the two teams as well, it could easily get like that. Um, so it's it's a curious one. I, I don't... I don't know. I'm a little bit I'm a little bit caught between two stools because at the end of the day, you don't want to, you don't want to feel the second string team and get battered but at the same time you don't want to stick it all out there it's like one of the it's one of those games where you'd hope that Pep Guardiola and Jürgen Klopp have a call a couple of days before the game and go what team are you picking what do you think do you know what I mean what do you think 
I think there could be an element of that, uh, Siobhan. There could be an element of that as the game wears on one yeah. way or another. And I think the number of subs sort of helps with that. Yeah. But it is it is a tricky little team to pick, probably for both managers, as I say, with the substitutes that are on the bench. But also, you know, City, just for listeners, you know, City only on Tuesday got uh, Aguero and he's us back in training, for instance, in the same mm-hmm. way that we've only recently got yeah. lads back. So there will be a bit of an onus, I think, on everyone to try to get simultaneously, some people sometime, but they might not have many, many minutes in the legs full stop. Yeah, I think... Obviously, this varies in people's priority lists, doesn't it? In terms of, you know, whether everyone has, of course, got the eye on Norwich next week. But it's, you know, it is still a, it is still an important game. It's at Wembley. It's a final. All right. It's probably the the least important of them. But I think with it being against City, there's almost a, a premature significance about it that people will automatically make an awful lot of judgments based on this match for the next. 10 months but they months. counted it didn't he's one of the four last year the, the yeah. four hashtag Same formidable quite sad wasn't it you, but all managers well, you do would, that yeah exactly I'm saying it's sad you know come come next May if we <laughs> the, well, the, the magnificent seven you know that's what we'll be saying isn't it but I, it, it creates this 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 significance that it shouldn't really that it wouldn't if it was against Wofford or exactly. it wouldn't if it was against someone else people will take it as an early acid test of like oh, well, that's how the rest of the season's going to play out. I think that would be fairly silly to do. But, you know, I'd I'd imagine the the 35,000 people going to Wembley aren't seeing it as some silly little game a day out maybe. But, you know, I just don't want it to become too significant whereby you shoot yourself in the foot for the following week. But is it, yeah. isn't that an argument to maybe not play stronger sides? So yeah. you go, oh, we played the kids, who's, who's asked? And then afterwards you can go, well, oh, well we played our kids, but you don't want to do that because it sounds... It's predictable. The, the Benitez 06 team, the point is about that when you remember that game, it's Sissoko and Zenden in centre mid. Bellamy no, started, didn't he, as well? Was, uh, Bellamy... I think Bellamy might have started, but yeah. there's no uh, there's no Gerrard. Um, no, yeah, sorry, 06, 07, it was. Yeah, there's no Gerrard. Gerrard doesn't start. Uh, there's no, uh, Alonso doesn't start. He starts mm. Sissoko and Zenden in centre midfield. So he ends up with the best of both worlds and they go and win the game, but he's made sort of changes away from what his normal side would be. I think Mark Gonzalez starts that one uh, and all of that does, sort of yeah. stuff. Um, so I think it's that's your, that's the sort of, could be the ideal, yeah. Philippa, is that you, you feel as though you, you've all got to make changes, but you then go on and win the game. It is going to be difficult, isn't it? And I think there's also, again, a young player question here as well. Who does he want to blood? Who does he want to give opportunities to? Is he prepared to start Brewster um, to have a little look at that? Or does he feel as though he's got to start a league? He's got a pecking order thing. I don't think it is as easy for him as, as I think, as Siobhan says, if Liverpool are playing Watford or City are playing Watford, I think for both managers it's an easier afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I honestly don't know what I would do, never mind what Klopp's going to do. Um I'll, I don't want to heap a bit of pressure here on, on Liverpool, but I have literally never seen us actually lift a trophy in the flesh. <laughs> and I'm actually quite hungry to see that happen. <laughs> so, so for me, I really want us to win on Sunday, but for all intents and purposes, it is a glorified friendly, isn't it, at the end of the day? And I'm not going to be crying at the end of it if we haven't actually no. lifted it. I'll just be a little bit hurt that I've not broke me up yet um, I'm you won't ask. be to blame Phil, just, <laughs> it's not you it's them <laughs> oh believe me my mates will think that I'm to blame <laughs> um, who are we expecting to see just dead quick expecting Salah to start no yeah. no yeah yeah I've I, I paused for a really long time yeah no no why not because it's a massive big pitch Mm. Uh, I don't think he's had a full pre-season I think you know 
I, I just think it's a risk not worth taking. The other, the, the only other side to that is we know that Mohamed Salah doesn't like not getting picked. So there is that kind of thing. I, I think he gets on. I think he gets on, but I don't, I, don't, I, I don't think he starts. Why do you think he does? Because I think out of everybody who played yesterday, he looked like the most in tune with his level of performance. Um, I can see him wanting to do 60 minutes just to build up that match fitness for next week. Um, and I don't see anybody else who can... Um, I don't know, do the job that he does as well as what he does. Um, and I think that Klopp will want somebody who is as dangerous as him on the pitch. Um, I was just really impressed with him last night and I, that's what swayed me, basically. Um, More than fair. I was really impressed with him as well. Couldn't believe how sharp he looked. Uh, just a quick, a couple of others. I'm not going to ask you th- for the full team. Uh, Brewster starts, yes or no? Yeah, why not? I think, yeah, in the fact that we've just had a conversation about the potential of having a bit of a young player's experiment in this game. And I think he's the perfect one to use for that, to see how he copes with big field and big pressure. Yeah, I think Bruce just starts, mainly because I don't think Firmino's ready to start. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Cheeseburgers. Do you think, think Sani starts for City, given everything going on? No. 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 I think there's every chance he's not he's even off. the 18. Yeah. He's a, I think he's in Munich. A, you know, honestly, and I think Philip is absolutely right, He's not to, to just digress slightly, I don't think he's City's best player, but I think by, he's the most frightening. Yeah, and if he does go to Bayern Munich, regardless of who they bring, because there's no guarantees in football, I think if you on balance, if you look at the windows, then there's an argument there that Liverpool haven't had as bad a window as what everyone's <laughs> saying they've had. If City are if, if City are managing to hold on to one of the best players, you know, I, I honestly think there's a wider conversation, which is I think if he goes to Bayern Munich, I would be worried about drawing Bayern Munich in the European yeah, Cup all yeah. of a sudden, which was <laughs> yeah. not the case no, uh, this time last year, or that because that's how good I think he is. Uh, last little one uh, for you is: Do you think Oxley Chamberlain starts? Yes. Two yeses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three yeses. Oxley Chamberlain to rekindle himself against Manchester City. Quiz question before we go. Go on. When did the Charity Shield cease becoming the Charity Shield? Surprise me, actually. Because uh, I still call it the Charity Shield. Uh, it's, I'm, it's not fair to ask me because I've done this on another show, so ask, ask the other two. Come. God. Don't ask me. Purely was it longer than what you thought it was? Uh, no, but I've, I've been having a big think about age recently uh, in that we're, we're basically in your head. things. All right, that Rob happen, Things that happened around that when this was. Philip, have a guess. 2012. No. Earlier than that, was it? No, I, I, I know. That, I, yeah, it's 2002. 2002. Really? Yeah. 2002. I thought I was wow. going to say 2004, but I, I didn't want to make a fool of myself and it'd be like... No, 2002. So, I th- but I think on this, it's like it's but things that happened like when you when you were 20 or 21 always feel like they happened about two days ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, and that's... The points I'm trying to... Yeah. Scary, isn't it? Yeah, because it's now longer between now and when Liverpool won the UEFA Cup under Julier than it was between when Liverpool won the UEFA Cup under Julier and when Liverpool beat Roma to win their fourth European Cup. Uh. Uh, so that, there's, there's, a thing to, there's a thing to remember uh, and it really never feels that way around yep 2002 uh, anyway thank you very much indeed for the weekend uh, thanks to everyone who's contributed right the way through but especially those in the room right now thanks to Siobhan to Philippa and to Andy uh, enjoy your weekend the football is back it'll be more back next week but it's pretty back now <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network